it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV. Great to be with you. On a Balls McWednesday, how you doing? Doing all right, everybody? Good, good, good to hear it. Glad you're doing well. Driving around out there in this heat. We should be old together just to talk about the weather. I'm Jeff, that is Tom, Director Matthew in the house. Twitter is at Jay Cameron Show. And away we go. Hey, I'm, ex- I'm excited to read this later, Tom. You don't know about this. Um, I have to do a new promotion. Uh, it's a read, uh, but it's going to be awesome because the name of this guy's place is Dick Moindale's Burgers. And <laughs> one of the names of the burgers, as you can imagine, is a fun one. Well, well, well. Mm. I had heard a rumor that mm. these folks might be aboard. We're going to have some fun with that read. We will. We will. It'll be. It'll be good. It'll be really good. Uh, all right, so if you missed practice today, and all of you did, listening, uh, but you didn't miss anything, sucked, they didn't do anything, it was um, the day before we go to Jacksonville, I know you guys are about to be in scalding heat, and I'm going to make you wear full pads, and we're going to get it on, because we have to have at least one hardcore rough and tumble practice before the start of the season and this is going to be it kind of days that's what today was it was i know you know that i know that you are going to go through hell tomorrow over in jacksonville so today shorts uppers just kind of running around i'm talking to you a lot about technique way too much special teams you know that kind of thing well, by we go to Jacksonville, you mean they. they go to Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. We're staying here. Um, we will have coverage, and we got you know boots on the ground. Corey and Aslan are going over there for the two days. Yeah, good. I hope they have a wonderful time. Got to be great standing out there. God, they'll bring all the action to us. It'll be fun. But we'll get to hear uh, from them. And, and listen, if you're gonna go and stand in godforsaken heat with no shade to be found anywhere, which is the case when they're over there in Jacksonville, um, then at least you're gonna see a good one. You're gonna see a good practice. So if you gotta nearly die covering it, at least it's a good one that you're watching. Full pads. Yeah. It's about time. Yeah, it is about time. I, I'm I'm big time ready for that. And uh I will say that um, you know, I I, I thought 
again, a lot about today was instruction and reminders about hand placement and footwork and angles and all that stuff. And it's important, too. It's just not fun to watch if you're there to cover a practice. Um, and that's fine. That that That's fine. Uh, I did have a uh, <laughs> well-played life spectator. That is correct. But I did have a uh, opportunity to talk with a lot of people today and in various realms of the program, if you will. They represent various things. And it was good. It was just a good conversational sort of day because you sure as hell weren't missing anything. And it was good to, to kind of vet with all that we see on a nightly basis uh, online with people trying to get a sense of what's going to happen next with realignment. And what you really come to find out is nobody knows. It, it's, And I'm not just talking about here. Like One of the things you notice is that the national voices, whether it be on television or radio or print, journalism, social media, whatever you want to call it, nobody knows. But they are pretty easy to predict. It happens nightly that somehow FSU gets skewered for wanting to have their best interest in mind in trying to uh, put themselves in a position moving forward to be on equal footing with those that they seek to compete against. And by voicing that, they have been the subject of a lot of pot shots, but it's weird. It's very selective. It is almost like you can find out which quote-unquote journalist uh, graduated from where and or is from where or went to school where, right? You can almost figure it out without ever looking at the bio. You can just, like, for example, an asshat like Dennis Dodd who says something dumb hourly did again last night. and but it, But there's a personal twist to it. There's always a personal twist to it as opposed to just, like, reporting it, and that's fine. Uh, his, uh, his comment, if you missed it, was Greg Sinke said it without saying it just now. Any SEC expansion candidate has to bring pro rata, rata. Uh, that was clearly a message to FSU, which doesn't. <laughs> like, that's an asinine thing to say. It's dumb. He knows that's not true. Um, you know, whether you want the literal definition of that or mathematical like, like in proportion like we, we seriously think about saying that with a straight face Florida State doesn't bring anything to the table doesn't help them at all um you know it's it's you know we can get into allocation of value and proportion if we like that's a rather boring subject but this on its face sounds personal right it seems like he couldn't wait Screw you, FSU. Right. That's what that tweet reads. You're frozen out. That's what the tweet reads. That's, yeah. that's like yeah. hopeful. And that's he, a hopeful tweet. No, nobody said that about Oklahoma or Texas right. or USC or UCLA. Nobody said it about Colorado. They never would. Lots of uh, programs are having to figure out what's in their best interest, but many of those programs, uh, at least in terms of big-time college football success haven't moved the needle. They don't matter. Colorado doesn't matter. Arizona doesn't matter. In many respects, UCLA doesn't matter. Southern Cal does. Uh, but but a lot of these teams are having to, you know, and I don't blame them, that it, it's 
their place at the table is less than that of Florida State when it comes to success on the field. That's calling them lesser universities or dismerching the people who went to those schools. We're just talking about football here. We're just talking about football. I think where we are headed, though, and where I find all of this interesting, Chip Kelly, I think, has got this right. Did you see what he said? Yes, it makes total sense. Yeah, he's right. I think this is where this is going. For those that missed it, Chip said, Notre Dame is an independent in football, but they're in a conference for everything else. Why aren't we all independent for football? Take the 64 teams in Power 5 and make that one division. Take the 64 teams in the group of five, make that another division. We play for a championship. They play for a championship, and no one else gets affected. Our sport is different than everybody else's. We only play once a week. Travel's not a real big deal for football at all, but it is a big deal for other sports. Yes, yes, you're yes. There it is. It's too that, late for that, though. But he's right. That, I mean, that, yeah. he's, I, I've thought that for a long time. What are we doing? He's absolutely right. And Greg Senke's comments yesterday were carefully constructed, as one might imagine, because this is a very careful fellow. Yeah. He said they're not interested in expanding into four time zones, and they don't need to to become nationally relevant. Fair. You're not interested mm. in Cal or Stanford. Correct. I imagine that that is probably a smart move for the SEC to not go grab Cal and Stanford. And a comical one to consider for the ACC, which somehow that got brought up. <laughs> How great was that? I, I didn't realize we were in the Pacific time zone. That Forgive was the me. that was my favorite. I was, really? We're gonna, that's what we're going to do? No, we're not going to do that. And by we, I mean, I don't think the powers of the ACC are actually attempting to bring well, – why? How? What? do anything for you well i mean look jim phillips did say in charlotte that he'd put the academic profile of the acc up against any conference in america and this only solidifies that statement you go grab stanford and cal it's a banner day Mm. it's a banner day it is funny to think about like the idea of the acc the atlantic coast conference adding and their westernmost member is louisville We're going to add Stanford and Cal. Sure, sure. Crazy times, man. But if we're moving inexorably towards just two, you know, like very different but giant divisions of football, I don't know if it matters. I I also, look, I understand the Pac 12 in its early form, you know, dates back 100 plus years ago. I get that. And that there are certain rivalries out west and certain yeah, rivalries yeah, yeah. In, the, in the Big South, the Big 8, the Big 12, whatever, that, that are going bye-bye for now. Sucks. And it does suck. And we've seen that a little bit over the years when Notre Dame switched affiliations with mm-hmm. the Big 10 and the ACC to fill out their schedule. And, and Michigan got put on hold for a while, and that didn't feel quite right. And there's going to be more of that to come. But I don't go so far as waxing poetic like many do either in print or in podcast or on in radio form, where they're decrying these institutions as though they're all going to go broke. You know how expensive it is for tuition these days? <laughs> these institutions are not going broke. Oregon State's going to be okay. I think their doors are going to remain open, even with this latest movement. It just, I don't understand where, that, where, where we go to that point, where people are weeping for these for-profit institutions in an era in which... Tuition's been as expensive as it is. Okay, you lose thirty to forty million dollars in athletic revenue. That sucks. Yeah, it's gonna hurt him football wise. Yeah. Like, why are we crying for the university? That doesn't no. make a lick of sense. No, to me. I think if you want to bemoan 
and denounce the chase for the almighty dollar and college football going the way of the dodo and turning into pro football. Yeah, I'm with you there. I hate it. I hate what's happened. I don't like the way this has gone about. I thought there was a, a path where we could we could keep some of the traditions, the collegial aspect of the game, which separates it from professional football. To, to some degree, you could keep that intact. I like uh, the regions. I like the different conferences. I like the various traditions. I like the rivalries. I wanted – I mean, I like – I don't sit around dreaming about it year-round, but I like the Apple Cup. I like the idea of Washington, Washington State. I mean, I like these games when they come up. They're enjoyable games to watch. I'm not going to lose sleep over that, but I don't like when the, a lot of those traditions are, you know, thrown to the curb in search of the in search of the dollar. But I also don't like the NCAA, which has spent a lot of time being hypocritical and you know being very selective, picking and choosing the kinds of things that they want to enforce and to whom and what. It's never been an organization that governed the sport. Um, in a way that, you know, we could embrace. It's certainly earned its fair share of criticisms and pot shots. I, we have said for a while that it was moving in this direction because the courts began to show that. The first antitrust case, you began to, you could read into it. You could, If you literally read what was stated by the courts, then you realized we were on this path 30 years ago. Like we were moving towards this day. What you wanted was for somebody somewhere to, to or, or, or a large group of powerful people to vote on a czar of some sort to look out the best interests of college football. And if one of the ways you wanted to do that was get to a place where the, the, the programs that want to play big boy football are on even footing, and because they produce the most amount of eyes on sets and revenue, then we could all get paid the same and everybody could compete at the highest levels. And that might only be a group of, say, 48 or 34 or whatever that group would be. And then you could say, okay, well, these guys are clearly separate. Look at what their investment is in the sport. And everybody else, that's not the same. That's fine. You're over here. Could have got out in front of this, but they never did. And now it is an unholy mess. And, and then nobody should be uh, ridiculed for trying to put themselves in the best position possible financially for when this all shakes out. Notice one thing. Every time a commissioner, whether it be the Big 12, whether it be the Pac-12, whether it be the SEC or the Big 10, seemingly almost every time one of them speaks publicly about realignment or about wanting to stand pad or not wanting to break up other conferences, within a week of them saying that, a major move is announced. Within a week. Like, Colorado says, nah, no real interest in going anywhere. Within a week, they're gone. And they're gone. Big Ten have no interest. Oh, Pac-12 struggling? Yeah, we'll take Washington and Oregon. We had no interest. But, hey, what are we going to do? It's not our fault. None of them. Yeah, that's... Who bemoan this, Stan Pat? That's something that you don't read or hear often is what choice do they have? You know, Florida State's not alone. Um, there there are far fewer programs like Florida State now because all the rest of them have banded together in giant conferences. But Florida State wasn't alone two, three years ago. USC generated how much? What percentage of the Pac-12 television right, contract right. was thanks to USC or thanks to Oregon, maybe number two on that list? In the Big 12, how much of the money was thanks to Oklahoma and Texas? You know, do you think it was for Texas Tech? I don't. You think it was for TCU? No, it right, wasn't. Right. It was because of those two programs. So other programs have been in the position of Florida State, but as these chess pieces are moving, the board's getting smaller and the pieces fewer, what choice does Florida State have? 
That's a fair column. You could say, I hate it. I hate everything about it. I don't like the way they're going about it. I'd prefer the cloak and dagger method to the screaming from the mountaintops. But that's a personal aside. What choice does Florida State have in this moment? If they want to continue to right. be a top no, 10 no, football no. program five years from now, 10 years from now, if they want to be a top 10 Capital One Cup athletic department right. 10 years from now, right. what choice do they have? That's not that hard a column to write. No, it's also not hard to see uh, how it is that we got to this place. It's been well documented. I mean, the people have been crying from the mountaintop for some time that this is got going the way you guys wanted to. I'm telling you, this is not going to end well for you. These were the these were the calls to the NCAA. These were the we're going to have to we're going to have to get out in front of this and do something. Players are suing and winning. This is not going to end up okay for you, and it. They couldn't do it, so now it is in pursuit of the almighty dollar. And nobody likes the look of that ever, but it is a reality. It's a business, and there's no getting around. Now, you know, how many times do you think those that have ridiculed teams that or, or programs that want out from under their current set of circumstances in order to compete with the Joneses financially, how many times do you think they would then write – Fast forward four years from now when said program is struggling to go 6-6 six and because six they don't have the capital to keep up with the facilities arms race and the coaches' salaries. How many times would they write the column after a particularly ugly loss to some middling program historically? Would they say, well, it's hard to get mad at Florida State. They did the right thing and stayed in the ACC and championed the cause for all those who wanted to keep things pure in college football, in conferences, and regionality. You know, they may have lost today to Temple, and it's an ugly loss, 34-7, to but they really can't sustain any level of greatness because they don't make but a third of what the big boy teams and the big boy conferences make. But, hey, admire them. Admire them for losing today and the many losses they're going to incur moving forward because they chose to, to hold fast to the old way of doing things in college football because they admire the traditions of yesteryear. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a tough loss, and maybe they need to think about making a coaching change. But again, who are they going to hire when they make that coaching change? They got 50 bucks to their name. Nobody's going to write that column, ever. So they're all hypocrites. They're just, they would laugh and scoff and ridicule and document every second of that ass-kicking. It's the time as a flat circle for the Bowden situation. Boy, Florida State sucks. They're awful. How dare How Florida dare State? How dare you say you want to make a change it's, at the top? It's the same thing. Just 15 years later. It does. It, it's funny, though. I mean, like, type that out if you're a columnist, if you write that. And, and type that out and see how you sound. Think about that. Florida State starts losing, and Pat Forty and everybody else who has a voice is gonna is going to make sure you know about it. The coddling continues. Oh, right. There it is. And he's going to – and I, certainly I get the reference. I don't know how many other people did, but – yeah, that, that's what's going to be documented and written about. There will never be the article that says, well, in truth, they did vote to stay strong with the ACC. They thought it was what was best for college football and the traditions of the sport. And we certainly admired it at the time. But in retrospect, might they have been better off taking the money and going somewhere else in order to compete at the highest levels? Oh, sure. No, a little late, guys. And much like Miami before them. Now they are just a helmet. Yeah, that article won't be written. It never would. And we don't want to be in a position to have it written. And much like Miami before them, <laughs> may it never be written. <laughs> Ever. It's, yeah, you, you, 
the fiduciary responsibility to to get Florida State in the best possible position is exactly right. Referenced numerous times by the administration, it is right. And you can do that, and you can absolutely hate what's happening to college football. And I do. I do. But I also want Florida State to get with the getting. Yeah. Now, you can also announce something in the next five and a half days <laughs> if you're going to do all this all this stuff, yeah. th- these histrionics from August 1st to present. And basically, it's been quite the last few days. So, in about a four-day span – a whole lot of talking going on. We got about five and a half days. Well, you well, even if you're telling me that you're gonna, you're, you're gonna 2027, exit in, in 2020. Yeah. Oh, well, ooh. yeah, well, uh, <laughs> a tough one. I might need to go take a walk after that uh, yeah. announcement. Yeah, even no. if it's 2025. If you're saying, hey, we've got all these great things coming next year. We've got a road trip to Dublin. We're playing Notre Dame in South Bend. Might sure. be the final time we play them there, unless it's a playoff game. We've got. Mike Norvell's former former Memphis Tigers coming to town. We've got a lot of things coming up. We want to start clean in 2025. Okay, that's fine, but can we do that the next five and a half days? Because expectations have been set now, guys and gals. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply yeah i don't i don't mind well this is it's nuanced yeah we, we can we can fully vet it again jeff cameron show 93.3 real talk radio war chant tv Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Don't worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Should be an interesting time in the next couple of days. Uh, I mentioned at the outset that today was dialed back, but tomorrow figures to be a big-time practice over in Jacksonville, our own Aslan Hezvendi and Corey Clark will be there, and uh, I look forward to their reaction because it is full pads tomorrow, and I imagined also, as I said before, that when you dial it back like they did today, that must mean it's in, you know, uh, it, it is on the cusp of um, being something much more difficult, much more difficult. And I think... 
the Friday practice will not be as difficult because Sunday's the scrimmage. But when I say over the next three to four days, things will get interesting. They've got a full-blown, and i got to be careful while I talk about it, they've got a full-blown battle for some spots on this offensive line. The spot they don't have a battle for is at center. But outside of that, I think that there's a lot of movement still to be had and a lot of competition left to play out. I mean, if tomorrow the LSU game kicked off, Florida State's tackles would be Bless Harris and Jeremiah Byers. So we've got it, – it'll be interesting to see. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm not saying that's a finished thing either. So the rest of this camp, that – and really when you get into these more physical practices like tomorrow and then like the scrimmage that we can't see on Sunday, then you're going to really get some results there that will begin to tell the story of the starting five up front against LSU. Interesting to – this was in yesterday's observations on warchant.com. We always release observations each day, so join the website. But Darius Washington has a, a bit of a pulse in this battle. He does at guard, I think, because he's played well when he's gotten the opportunity. Yep. I suspect, and I don't know this, just an opinion, I suspect if for some reason Maurice went down and knock on what he does not, he's your consistent day-in, day-out center. But if for some reason he had to miss time, I think Washington would probably get the start at, at center. I think so, too. And and if that was the case, and let's say that did happen, then we really got to work on cultivating options at center a little quicker. Uh, that's one of the drawbacks I think to this offseason because I'll even I'll I'll root it in th- something that Alex Atkins said before practice started, so that way we're not in trouble. Mm-hmm. I he was asked about Casey Roddick. Actually, I didn't ask that. Kurt from the Osceola did, and then I asked a follow up, and it, he said that Maurice is basically your starter. Like you put that pretty much in ink. I bring somebody in to challenge him every year. He says, bring it on, and he wins. That's essentially the gist of, of what's going on, which to me means that Roddick is now in the driver's seat for one of the two guard spots. He's in the, he's in the driver's seat for it. But the competition the- mm. is Emmanuel, of course, Darius Washington for certain, and then a shuffling between some of the tackles. I think your next best available option would be either a Byers or – a bless, which I, I don't know that you put bless at, at guard. But I think it's if you had a collection of Robert Scott, Bless Harris, and Jeremiah Byers, one of those guys can be a good interior offensive lineman for you if if you're looking for a stronger five. I love the options. I do love that Florida State has guys that can play guard, tackle, you move them around, and you feel really good about it. I love the competition. You're seeing that competition in the secondary. You're seeing that competition at several spots. Um this is this is continuing to be a, a really good camp and one that we first guessed, as everybody would, when you see the raising of the floor talent-wise, we thought it would be a really steep competition. We thought it would be a really big um, and, and, and kind of elongated stretch of practices where we're watching to find out, hey, you know, what's going to happen here? This guy today – I mean, they move guys around all the time on that offensive line. They cross-train the hell out of those guys. So it's sometimes hard to get a handle. Uh, a message being sent here, no, just it was next man up. You know, it's it's hard. Yeah, I will always root it in last year's discussion, too, that Jazz was going to play guard, and we didn't see evidence that Jazz turn time was going to play guard in the preseason. There right. little to no evidence that right. that was going to be the case. Maybe a couple of days he cross-trained there, but I, I don't recall a full day where he said, oh, they're considering Jazz at guard. And then when Bless goes down, it all gets the, – the the whole concept gets shot to hell 
So Jazz moves to right tackle, and that's where he played for the season. But that it's in them to go through a lot of practice days and have an offensive lineman line at one place, and then on game day, yeah. boom, he's in a different spot. That's always in the back of my mind with the way that they might shuffle the scrimmages and, and the way that they might line up in game one against LSU or who, who some of your rotational guys might be. I think that the guy that perhaps, you know, and I try to get it out there as often as, as possible, I, I do believe that uh, Braden Fisk has been kind of, for me, on the defensive side, not the surprise of camp, but the the affirmation that he's going to be an explosive force and that he can be moved along the defensive line and that he plays with both power and speed and he's t- he's tenacious and he's a guy who every practice impresses, every practice. Some guys, one thing's for sure, you know, when you read on a message board or you talk to people, depends on the day, you know, a kid will have a good Tuesday or a good Monday and maybe not a great Wednesday. And, of course, that's football. You, know, you don't always feel your best. And people, because we're starved for information, will read a lot into those kinds of good days and bad days for certain kids. I don't try to do that. I know that, man, there are days it's 98 degrees and humid and you're just not feeling it. You didn't have a good night's rest last night. You, whatever, man, they're college kids. They go out on dates, stay out too late. Things happen, whatever. You have a bad Monday. Doesn't mean you're about to, you know, have a bad week or that you're not, able to sustain excellence, just you had a bad day. But it is rare to also look out there and find a guy who never has a bad day. And Braden Fisk never has a bad day. At least he hasn't yet. Now, he will. I mean, it's football. He's going to have a bad day at some point. He will. He hasn't yet. Uh, There's just so much you can do with him. Yeah, you're right about where you line him up, but it's just the versatility of his skill set. You could say that he's always at defensive tackle, and that's the position he's going to play all season long. You could do about four or five different things with him within that position because he's got the tools to do it. He's massive. He's quick. He doesn't mind taking on two guys to free up a teammate. Like all, all the things that Alex or sorry, that uh, Adam Fuller does with twists and alignments. I mean, this guy fits it to a T, and I just wish. And I'll stop lamenting it because, you know, in practice, I call it the fictional front. Now that Daryl Jackson's waiver has been denied, I just would have loved to have seen those two guys on the field at the same time where Fisk could have been an edge setter, Daryl Jackson's up the middle, and you could rotate whoever else you want of the other two. But those would have been two very potent weapons that you could put on the field for your defensive front together. For what it's worth, just to lend some clarification, I've seen a lot of comments about this, and I'm not sure that everybody's got a handle on this, um, and I'm not saying that condescendingly either. I get it when your day job is you know, something other than sports and you're not able to cover it on a regular basis. You might not know it, but it, it certainly has been consistent that the NCAA has denied a lot of people's waivers uh, currently. And it seems to me that this is the one area where maybe they are able to show some strength. You know, the North Carolina kids got turned down. There've been others that have been turned down. It looked at one time, it seemed like all waiver requests were almost just passed through at a hundred percent clip. And then we sit here today and they're almost all denied at a hundred percent clip. They are 
again, kind of showing teeth finally in an area where maybe this is the lone place they can. I, I don't know. It's not just us. And then secondarily, I've heard a lot of people say, well, Florida State should sue. But the university can't represent the kid in court on this, and I don't know that they could push back here. Now, the kid could sue, but, I, I you know, you got to get attorneys and whatever else. That may not be an easy thing to do. But it, it doesn't sound like they're going to. And that, too, says something. So, you know, read into that what you will. Um, I, I think they were hopeful. The NCAA has turned the tide on these things. They're not just allowing people to go wherever they want, when they want. Certainly not twice. And I think we've just gotten to a place where you just have to hope that he's going to be able to to come here. And, and he was at practice today. He worked hard today. I saw him out there getting after it. Uh, he is still allowed to practice. Now, does that get harder every day that goes by when you're not playing in games? Yes. Yes, it does. So we'll see if if, if he's able to do that. I will say – It's a good you, challenge for the offense when they go against the scout team defense. Jeez. You'd like to think you'd have a break and you get Daryl Jackson – who's arguably your very best defensive lineman, especially when motivated. But if you I w- if you want to try to put a spin on it in the positive just to do it, you can, actually. There's an avenue by which to do it. Florida State was going to be in a little bit of trouble next season, not this one, but next season on the defensive line. And if Darrell was able to, to hang on and stay in school and put in the work and wait for his eligibility – not this season, but next. Well, you come back in 2024 on your way to Ireland with Farmer and Daryl Jackson in the middle. You're going to be all right. Yeah, the way I read this situation from you know the outside, because I don't know the inner workings of the process, the denial, what was presented. I don't know any of those things. But he announced he was transferring before the rule changed, which is annoying because the NCAA said they're going to crack down on this after he made his decision. Seems unfair. But then – the farmer, am I in the portal or am I not in the portal situation? Didn't help. It didn't help. I think it nullifies that advantage that you'd have. It's just that's the way it seems to me. And so you have a f- you have not really anything to stand on. You can PR it all you want about returning home for mom, but if you're saying that Josh Farmer leaving or entering the portal is enough for you to have second thoughts and you put that out for the world to see on social media, then they've got to question the authenticity of your reason to come to Tallahassee in the first place. Yeah, um, I don't know if it did or didn't. It certainly couldn't have helped. I've said that at the time that I thought it was uh, an asinine thing to do. But secondly, I would say that if the NCAA is swayed as to approve or not approve this based on the whims of a kid or a very, very young man, immature young man, then that, that's that's pretty weak as well. I, I just I think there has to be something bigger than that. I think I, They're pretty much across the board turning down these waivers. They're, I think they're just trying to get a handle on these things. Correct. Yes, I think there's yeah. an overcorrection going yeah. on. It's all part of it. These are all things that add yeah. together. I just would like to know what the ruling would be if that situation had never happened in the spring. Yeah. You'd, yeah. It's, I think again, there's a much could, better it, chance. It, it could not have helped. Um, don't know that he would have got it, though. I will say that. Don't know he would have got it either way. Uh, I, I'll throw the other side out there. I'm not sure. It, it seems now like they are overcorrecting, that they are, in fact, kind of, mm, we're just going to blanket stamp this a no. Really? Just just no? Just no. Try again. Okay, here's another no for you. 
because that's you know I heard yesterday people say oh appeal it again they've already appealed it it's been appealed this is this is more than once I don't think coach would have brought it to the dais although I I found it interesting that he left like a one percent hope out there no, that's, that's kind of strange that's but, just hoping for hope yeah. that's sake I mean that's that's what that is he wasn't scheduled to speak yesterday so when mm. he came to the dais uh, Ira looked at me and we kind of knew we we're like well this could yeah, go here it comes yeah so I'm working the Twitter and uh, I, I'm already pre-writing I'm saying oh. And then you hear his tone as he's talking about the day of practice, and you know that there's something on his mind heavier than the consistency that he saw between periods 12 and 20. You got to – you got to – I think coaches – it's so strange to watch this play out. I know we got to go to break, but one of the things that I've thought for years – I thought this when Jimbo was here. I've thought this when Willie was here. and I'm not talking about coaching acumen or whatever else. Coaches all struggle with certain – announcements or things that are viewed negatively or, or they have a negative impact on the team, but they are just kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, what they are. You don't have to be, you know, like I just, I, I would almost lead with it. Hey guys, before we get started today, unfortunately, bad news, really hated for the young man, disappointed by the decision. The NCAA has ruled against giving Daryl Jackson his waiver. I know you guys have probably been wondering about that. I know it's come up a lot. So I wanted to address that from the outset. I won't be answering any more questions about it. There's really nothing more to say. They've denied his waiver. Okay, uh, about today's practice. This is a very simple, straightforward thing, but they never do that, do they? They're always uh, I think twisting, I think writhing the, in pain. But yes, yes, they do. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And, and yes, he, he was uh, in agony for a little while there. Yeah, don't but do that. I think from the PR perspective, the thought is I'd rather talk about the big picture things because those will get completely lost in the shuffle the moment I tell you about the waiver because you're all going to go to your phones and write about it immediately. You're going to post it on your boards. You're going to post it on social media. You're not going to pay attention to a damn thing I say after it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, well, that's on you then. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. I, I this is what this is what I do. I would I, because even though, let's just say you're so Gainesville Noel writes feelings involved, Jeff. Maybe, maybe, but this is. I mean, this is part of it. This is kind of the stuff that y- y- you deal with, right? Um, and. There are way worse things that you go through. It's just somehow the give and the take between a coach and the press is always sort of a – when it involves a player, uh, you know, not being able to play or perhaps a coach that's, I don't know, rumored to be on the cusp of getting fired or whatever, they they, they twist themselves in the wind. It's like, oh, I'm being tortured. Eh, just get out there and – just get out there uh, and say something. Sports Information Director Jeff Cameron says, buck up, soldier. Yes, yes. There would be times that if a kid didn't go to class and we had to suspend him, I would just say, maybe not everything that happened, Larry Smith isn't going to play this Saturday. That is a coach's decision. Larry violated a team rule. He won't play Saturday. I'm not answering questions on it. Next. We're done here. Larry Smith's not playing. Is all you can write. You don't have to, well, I just, you know – and don't do that. 
Sometimes. <laughs> with the things with which we do. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Tom, you and I didn't get a chance to talk about it, so it's a short segment here. We'll talk about it now. It's uh, a Major League Baseball issue. So I just want your reaction. Ira and I talked about this yesterday, so did Corey, on Seminole Headlines. Uh, but when you saw that the Orioles announcer, Kevin Brown, had been suspended, mm-hmm. and they had like most of the, whether it was you were watching on Instagram or YouTube or Twitter or wherever you were, they had the piece that he was suspended for. Like they had the the video. And so did you do the thing I did where you clicked on it and you watched it and you're like, oh, I must have I must have missed it. Uh, uh let me let me do it again here. Yeah. You know how many times I watched that thing? I was accusing myself of being old. More than the Tom Brenneman video? <laughs> So I watched it, and then I was like, "Okay, I oh, I must not have been paying close attention here. Let me turn down the TV. Let me let's hear this. Again. What do you say?" And I watched again. I was like, mm-hmm. "No, okay." Is this one of those things where we're not allowed to say midget anymore? What am I? What's happening here? So then I thought, "Okay, let me let me press. Uh, here we go. I'm okay. I'm watching. I'm watching. No, no, I, hun." Can you come watch this thing? Am I missing this guy, like, throw down with a racial slur? Like, what am I – did something happen here? And she's like, what? I go, this guy, he just got suspended by the Orioles. Watch this video. Tell me what's happening. She watches it. Bryce, get in here. Your dad's old. Is he saying words that are offensive? What's happening here? I watched it like ten times. And then I realized that the reason – they suspended him was because he pointed out that Baltimore has won as many games at Tropicana Field in 2023 as they did the last three years combined. He got suspended for noting that this year's Baltimore team is good and that the ones previous that played at the Trop were clearly not. That, in essence, is what he got suspended for, for pointing out that this year's team, good, has beaten up on the Rays in the Trop. Last year's team didn't. And the one before it and the one before it. And that, I learned later on, was a stat given to him pregame by the PR staff. He was reading from a pre-draft typed out, here's your stats that you're going to read. We're cutting to you in the booth with Larry, and you're going to say this, and then we're going to cut back down to the field with the players warming up because this is just the opening. We welcome everybody to Orioles baseball where, hey, maybe they've been scared away. You're playing the Rays in the Trop. Hadn't been friendly in recent memory. But not this year. This year you're kicking their ass. Let's celebrate it. Here's a stat that really showcases what we want you to do. And then he does it, and he gets he gets suspended. And I'm reminded that Peter Angelos still owns that team. And Peter Angelos has been an ass for a very, 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 a cheap ass at that for a very, 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 very long time. To the point, lest we forget, he fired John Miller. John Miller used to be the Baltimore Orioles play-by-play man. John Miller, he of the perfect radio baseball voice Miller family, got fired from that job because he said something about the Orioles being on a four-game losing streak. Peter, when your payroll is 50 bucks, your team's going to lose a bunch of games. Are we to pretend it's not happening? 
the announcer is going to say, welcome into Baltimore, Camden Yards tonight. O's hoping to break a losing streak of seven games as they take on Texas. Fire him! What? You dumbass? That's nuts. So I'm happy to see that uh, the, the, the guy here, uh, Kevin Brown, who I didn't know, seems good enough at his job. Apparently he's beloved. If you read all the reports that came out afterwards and the many stories that have been written, uh, he, is, he is absolutely well thought of in the industry by other announcers, but also in people in baseball say he knows his stuff and he's great at what he does. <laughs> what are you doing? So I saw the SNY broadcast, and and our guy Gary Cohen doesn't miss very much. He uh, he got it right apparently. He did well. He made Keith Hernandez nervous, which was funny because as he's starting to rant, they have the the camera in the booth. Yeah, and Keith moves his chair. He goes, and he moves. His chair no, he's like, I don't want to be part of this. I don't want to be part of this. He points at the camera and he goes, "Listen, you cloaked yourselves in shame when you fired John Miller." And you're doing it again. Oh, he brought up John Miller just and, like and, I did. Yeah, he, he yeah. pointed into the camera and he said it. Yeah. And Keith sees it on the screen. He's, ooh, I'm just trying to get the hell out of here. <laughs> Keith's like, I like my cats. I don't want to get fired. Right. This is ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, um, there's no explanation for it. There's no good explanation. I, so you did what I did though. You watched oh. it several times and thought, what am I? What am I missing? I thought like. You weren't allowed to call Tropicana Field the trop or something? I was like, is that like is that a term that I don't know? Like that's a homophobic term? Like, like what's happening? Why? What did he say? He said it was humid outside. Oh, is that a code? Like what I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was just completely oblivious to something obvious to somebody who's twenty or thirty. Because it happens sometimes these days. You're getting that to that age oh, now. Sure. It'll happen. My kids will tell me something, and they'll say it, 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 it's this or that. And I'll go, I don't even know what the, you're saying words, but I don't know how yeet. these are applying. What does this even mean? What do you, What does that mean? What does yeet mean? Yeah. <laughs> Son. Yeet was a thing. Yeet? Yeet was a thing. It's not a thing anymore, but people said yeet for some time. And it wasn't offensive, but Yeah. Which is funny, because in middle school, we would say yut, and I don't know what it meant. Nobody ever knew. You know, a kid word that has come back, and I think it's probably run its course yet again, but it was popular when I was in school. Players in the locker room would call each other jits. And, yeah, it's not that a- That does not sound good at all. No, it's not a bad word. It's just that it was a- it, Yeah, it's a derogatory, like, phrase to call a kid. Like, you little punk or something. And people would say that all the time. Like, I, I mean- we would we'd say these things back and forth to each other, but the kids today do it now. Maybe we should do a segment. Is this offensive? And just say words. <laughs> and see what happens. Hour number two forthcoming.